What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Team Chat Podcast, a video game show. I'm one of your hosts, Jarrett Wilson, joined to my right by Rachel Mogan. Bonjour now. Bonjour to you as well. How are you this fine uh, Monday? Oh. Monday night, yeah. Yeah, it feels weird because it is technically still daytime, but yeah. it's very it's cloudy It's very here, dark outside. So it feels like nighttime. Yeah. It's like, ooh, this, this feels weird, but that's okay. Because we still, we have been on a tear of, of recording Monday nights, but we usually we are yeah. like a Sunday morning kind of gig. Yeah. So, you know. A little different than our usual, but don't worry. Don't worry, everyone. We're still here to deliver that same great content that you've come to know and love over 295 episodes. Oh my God. <laughs> I know, right? Crazy. I'm just going to keep saying the numbers until everybody gets as hyped as I am for it. But, you know, anyway. You're going to just keep saying it and get into the rhythm, and we're going to get to 300, <laughs> and then it's going to feel like it's not a big deal, and then we're going to be like, shit, we missed it. <laughs> no one said anything. God damn it. Is Dang anyone going to tell us when, the, when we actually hit 300? Nobody's going to comment. It'll be 353 before we realize, and then we're like, like, oh, no. Like, Countdown's way off and we missed it. Ah, shit. Oh, we'll get episode 400 then coming around the pike. But hey, you can listen to all the 295 episodes of Team Chat Podcast on podcast services around the World Wide Web, as well as watch a video version of each episode over on our YouTube channel. Links for error in the description below. Don't know why I felt like tripping over that. You can also join us on social media at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We have a Discord server that you can also join where, we, where you can talk to us when we're not here uh, recording the show. And finally, you can also support the show over on Patreon.com slash Team Chat Podcast, just like Super saying ace erica l elise f zach s mariah s susan m james k michael b andrew m michael s and brandon w have done they have headed over to patreon.com slash team chat podcast whereas for as little as a dollar a month you can support the show and in return we'll give you cool perks like getting the episodes early before their general thursday release and access to a private channel on our discord server the rogues gallery uh but if you can't support the show monetarily we totally understand that's completely fine but there are a lot of great ways that you can support the show for free such as telling your friends writing reviews and leaving comments you know and all that good stuff wherever you're listening to or watching the show but to each and every one of our patrons viewers and listeners like heart emojis oh i'm starting God. to get more streamlined yeah you it. also kind of like sprang it on me there i wasn't oh, quite ready it I was know. still coming in you're on still the, like coming in thinking yeah, you had geez. like five more minutes to go but no <laughs> dang <laughs> <laughs> Well, everyone, we have a very fun episode uh, ahead of us today because it is June, uh, and which means it is Pride Month. And so we wanted to do a special episode to highlight uh, members of the gaming world or the gaming industry. Previously, we've done episodes on like, you know, LGBTQ characters or uh, or games themselves that focus on those themes. But today we wanted to go behind the keyboard screen. I don't know what it is when you're when you're yeah. on the other side of the camera. I guess it's probably the keyboard. Yeah, I'm them, thinking the keyboard. Whenever they show footage of like those rooms where people are doing crunch time, yeah. they always seem to be a keyboard. A close-up so, shot. Yeah. Close-up shot of somebody with their, with their rainbow background keyboard. <laughs> very appropriate for the topic of today's. It's very yeah. true. <laughs> but that, that's the people behind the code, yes. behind the program. Ooh, behind the code. Yeah. I like that. I like also, that. I can't believe you didn't take that opportunity to say the gaming industry. Uh, I did. I did miss that. <laughs> <laughs> what a so, missed opportunity off to a bad start oh man. well okay we'll restart we'll run this back <laughs> no <laughs> But no, so yeah, we wanted to just take an episode uh, to be able to highlight some of those people and their contributions to gaming and uh, just to share some of their experiences. Because honestly, like some of these games, it's like I'm familiar with the games they worked on, but not the people themselves. So it's been very fun to do the uh, the research and, the, and everything to find out more about these devs. Yeah, this is more research than we typically do for most of our topics. Because we um, always have the knowledge right Yeah, because we've just always kind of got... So, so there's two things about that. One, it's either opinion-based sure. and we've already got the knowledge on 
hand, or two, it's topical news. You know, something has happened. Everybody knows what's going on. It's all over Twitter. So it's not that hard to find. But I have to admit, researching uh, LGBTQIA plus developers in the gaming industry was actually kind of difficult. There was not, like, I kind of went into it feeling like, oh, well, there are so many games these days that deal with these kinds of topics, that deal with these kinds of stories and Mm -hmm. characters. Surely there must be a plethora of information out there. And there was not. It wasn't. I really had to search to find the few articles that we've been able to find or the few videos that we've got to be like, okay, this is finally enough, enough first person enough first person information to go off of where we can actually talk about it and not accidentally be outing somebody yeah. or anything else horrible like that. So it was it was not as prevalent as you would think being able to find first person or you know personal accounts of what it's like to be on the spectrum and mm-hmm. work in the gaming industry. So that was a surprise to me. Yeah. But it's been very fun too, yeah, to go through and learn these things because there have been some games now that even ones that I know I've missed uh, that I, after reading the stories of the devs that I'm like, man, I kind of want to go back and play this, uh, you know, a couple ones, what, which we'll get to those in, in a little bit later. Um, but in terms of, of more recent news, it, like it kind of feels like th- this is a great place to start because at the beginning of this of June of this year. Uh, the beginning of Pride Month, developer Tim Kane, who has had a long uh, history uh, in I mean, the, like 42 f- years, 40, yeah. 42 years in the industry, uh, posted a video onto his personal YouTube channel talking about his experience uh, as being a gay man in the gaming industry and also, uh, you know, what his coming out story was in that and how, you know, what led to it and things like that. And it was honestly like every, it's a 20 minute video. So not a super long watch and, and everyone really should go watch it, um, it because he just, he has a lot of great commentary and just like insight and stuff like that. And just like seeing how, because like he talks about in the video, how he wasn't out for the first half of his career. And just like, you know, a lot of that due to, uh, experiences that he had negative experiences that he had in, in the, in the industry until he felt like, you know, a a safe enough point really to be able to, to come out. Um, but if you don't know who Tim Kane is, uh, like I said, he has a very uh, long storied history uh, in the in the gaming industry, and he some got of his games in the early eighties, yeah. like a long ass time ago. Mm-hmm. He talked about working on games with Atari and stuff like yeah. that, you know. And developers like like developer, excuse me, studios that I've no one has yeah, heard of. Never, the, like these places probably went out of business or got acquired a long time the, ago. The first one that he said that I was like, oh, I know that one was Interplay. Uh, you actually knew that one? Yeah. I didn't. N- now completely blanking on any wow. games that they've done. <laughs> I, I knew the name. Knew the name. I, was like, I know this name. Well, it's like how I know EA Sports is in the game, EA. but I fucking never play EA games. <laughs> you haven't picked up FIFA or Madden? No. Once or twice? Not even a dab. The, the one that I've played was that terrible Ewok hunt game that you bamboozled me with. <laughs> That's not even EA Sports. It's just oh, is it EA. not? Well, oh, well it's, it's EA, EA but like EA You Sports. get what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so he, uh, you know, worked on Arcanum of Steamworks and Magic Obscura, uh, Temple of Elemental Evil, Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines. That one, I like. I had no idea that he worked on Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines, or which is insane like a with Pillars cult of Eternity. Classic. Uh, I didn't know that he worked on Pillars of Eternity, which I guess I should have because I actually just read the chapter on Pillars of Eternity 
Well, it's actually been a bit now because I'm a very slow reader, but I read the chapter about Pillars of Eternity's uh, development in Jason Schreier's book, uh, Blood, Sweat, and Pixels and stuff, which also very good. probably read It's that. very good. But you know I can't read, Jared. That's true. It's what for chumps. What am I supposed to do? It's for chumps. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Well, I mean, I say read very lightly because like, I started that book probably two years ago. And <laughs> it's not. <laughs> I assumed it was a recent release. It's like, no, it's like, it's like two years old and I like read a chapter every three months or something. You know what? That's about the pace that I can really handle. Uh, so. Yeah, and then much more recently, Tim Kaine was one of the co-directors of The Outer Worlds, mm-hmm. which is kind of another more recent. I'm not technically sure. Does it count as an indie game? Outer Worlds. Uh, I feel like it at least thematically feels. I mean, Obsidian like an is indie. a pretty big dev. Yeah, that's true. So that's I true. feel like I don't remember now who actually did the publishing if it was Obsidian or not. But still, uh, if it was self-published. But I feel like for how big that one was, I don't think Outer yeah, Worlds you're was. Right about I could that. be completely wrong. But Outer Worlds was very well received by mm. basically everyone who has ever played it. And yeah. I keep getting people still telling me, you've got to play the Outer Worlds. And I'm like, I know. I'm working on it. At some <laughs> point, I'll be able to play it. I yeah. swear. <laughs> but, uh, but still, it's like his video, you know, obviously he's had a very long and storied career, especially to be in it for, you know, for 42 years and to be one of the, like what you would say, like OG founders of the, of the games, of the current games industry. And I mean, something that I really thought was impactful in his video was he talks about not only being one of the, he, he is, he, he's, he says in the video that he's the only gay man he knows that's been in the industry that long. And that when he was coming up in the industry, he had no mentors. Mm -hmm. He had no one else like him to go to for advice or for like, Hey, is XYZ company, you know, going to be cool about this? Is this a, is this a good environment for me? Is it not? He didn't have anybody like that, but more to that point, he doesn't even currently meet many other people period that have been in the video games industry as long as he has consistently. And I thought that was like, Oh wow, he's right. I mean, unless you've got devs that were working back in the seventies, you know, again, during those really early pong and Atari days, right he doesn't have that much competition for like cracking crown of like, <laughs> I've been here the longest. Right. Bitch. Right. And so it's just, you know, and it's been just one of those things too, where it's like, you know, he talked about not coming, like we said earlier, like not coming out for half of his career and everything just because he, and some of the stories he told uh, were like, either some of it was never because he was he ha- himself wasn't out it was just like things he overheard a lot uh, he talked about one a co-worker at another studio who was trans and then like overhearing women being like oh, I don't want to use that bathroom and like different yeah. stuff like that and just like him trying to like step in and be like well no and then just getting you know shot down of like oh you understand you know just like demeaned and degraded for even having the opinion or try to stand up but so then to your point of what you know he kind of talks about uh, which is was a very inspiring thing, honestly, watching the video and hearing him talk about it is how like he went off social media a few years ago. I think he said 2016 because he actually received a death threat and and everything online because somebody played Fallout, and, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, and, and then looked it up later and found out that Tim Kaine was gay. And I right. guess just shat their pants I guess and, so. and just could not handle it. <laughs> and so, you know, that understandably so was a very scary thing for him. Yeah. And he jumped off social media. But then he talks about how in the next few years you know, slowly starting to go back out to, to conferences and speak and be at panels and everything. Cause he realized that like there needed to be that voice and, you know, in that presence in the industry for other people, other, uh, LGBTQIA plus, uh, individuals to be able to, 
you know, see an example and see, and, you know, and like in a re- representation really. And so like, you know, it was a really inspiring thing. It yeah, was really, it's a, great, a really well made video. video. And one of the things that uh, a lot of people maybe, especially you and me, cause neither of us are really big fans of the fallout games. Right. 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 But when I was actually <laughs> just talked about that, <laughs> well, like yeah, an we episode were just or two like, ago, we fucking hate fallout. <laughs> We're sorry, Tim K. We love you, but sorry. the games. <laughs> uh, but what something that I was uh, learning more about the, the sort of the earlier days of the Fallout series is that Fallout Two was one of the first open world RPGs that allowed for gay relationships. Oh, that's and cool. it was really notable for that. Um, and I, I think I read in one of the interviews. It wasn't in this video. It was in some interview somewhere else with Tim Kane about Fallout Two, where he was describing that that wasn't even necessarily intentional. Like, yes, he's a gay man working in the games industry. That, the, that Those sorts of experiences could inform game design. But in this case, it was really interesting. They were talking about, well, the, the environment back then for Fallout was like, we just have to push boundaries absolutely everywhere. Mm. We want to be going th- to the absolute limits of what people will basically tolerate across the board. You know, violence, you know, all these, all these sorts of fun, cool things that gamers love, you know, yeah. gamer stuff. And it's like, oh, well, what's something else that can just cover all of our bases? Oh, gay relationships? Put it in there. Yeah. So it was more like just it sort of got bundled in with the rest of those ideas of pushing the boundaries as opposed to somebody saying hey i've got some life experiences that i would like to sprinkle into this game too which i thought was pretty interesting about how it just sort of not necessarily wound up in there by accident but that it also wasn't necessarily intentional to a certain extent sure sure which is interesting because that's also like another one of the topics a a good transition point i feel like to another one of the devs that we wanted to talk about david gator this uh, is the opposite side of that the spectrum. The opposite side <laughs> of that spectrum a little bit because it is, but more so the, the transition that I'm talking about is just the, uh, of how like the character, the more of the accident of like the, the event and then inspiring the character and stuff like that, because David Gator is a writer and one of the lead writers on for Dragon Age, uh, for Dragon Age Inquisition and wound up writing the character of Dorian, who we've talked about a lot actually yeah, on uh, past episodes, I think our past pride, past pride yeah, month episodes did. and stuff like that, because it's um, just that damn, Mustache, that, dumb, that damn mustache, and the, that and the Deborah little, mustache, oh, and the so tiny good. little soul patch. People oh, can't get it. over this man. It's so good, and his hair is nice too. It's and his so hair good. Is great, and he's cool, and he's hot, and he's hot. <laughs> <laughs> and the so, reasons are obvious, people. <laughs> but so it was just kind of cool reading another article that came out. Uh, Fairly recently. Oh, actually, no, a couple of years ago uh, was an interview with yeah. David Gator on thegamer.com uh, talking about David Gator on the creation of Dragon Age Inquisition's Dorian. And it's just how it talks about uh, how they in the writing process and development process for uh Dragon Age Inquisition, they were talking about having like kind of a rock star mage character. I thought this was so fun. I actually just kind of want to read this quote because I feel like this is such a fun way to approach uh, like character design. So where where is it? Uh, Uh, Gator and his, so this is to quote the article from the gamer, Gator and his co-writers would come up with air quotes, quick concepts to pitch the artists as opposed to writing an, an entire character before the art team had a chance to inject their own input into it. And he goes on to say phrases like, you know, we'd give them, the the design team, phrases like rockstar mage or grizzled warrior with just a paragraph blurb. Uh, And then we could do a lot with these and the artists would come up with various ideas for them pretty quickly. It was much easier to see which ones clicked with the artists right away. Sometimes the portraits they produce inspired us in return. And he goes on to say, the rock star mage was one of these. And looking at Dorian, we've got him up on the screen, yeah. which is why I'm pointing off to the side. Looking at Dorian and then looking at 
the term rock star mage, it's like, oh, that makes sense. He even goes on to say that the result looked a little bit like Freddie Mercury. Which I've never like put the like, two and two oh, together, it totally but like it does. absolutely does. <laughs> Which, and, and, and reading this article, it, like, it kind of bummed me out a little bit that I hadn't played more of Inquisition. Like I've gotten Are to the point- Are you homophobic, Jim? Oh my God, never. But like- <laughs> No, just <laughs> I just like got to the point in the story where like I, I really was like it just into the introduction of his tale. And even in the few little bits that I played, I mean, it was enough that I was uh, in the past episodes wanted to talk about him because he's just so damn cool. Yeah. Uh, and the whole thing of like in the Dragon Age games, especially like you have you come across a lot of like romanceable characters who can be rom- romanced by either male or female characters in the game or, you know, players and stuff like that. And Those so slutty, slutty <laughs> bisexual. Man, I tell you what, in, uh, in Dragon Age 2, when I was playing that, I was all over the place. And I was, that's I, good. I had a relationship with Isabella the pirate, Anders oh. the mage. Like, yeah. It, oh, anyone. yeah, we've talked about An- your original Husbando, Anders. Anders, Anders, yeah. Oh, gosh, yeah. So, good old in Dragon Anders. Age 2. But the thing is with those characters is they weren't necessarily gay characters. Yes. Whereas Dorian was written as a gay character and the result, and because of that, it came them uh, circling back to what you were saying about it being a kind of an accident that inspired is that they were talking about it. And then someone kind of like pitched the idea of again, like what if he was gay? And then David Gator talks in this interview, in this article about how that kind of like was the light switch for him being like, Oh wait, he was like, had to leave his land because like he, you know, like he wasn't accepted for who he was and he, and, and didn't accept this, you know, and it was such a staunch moral upright individual, like, you know, left in which he was like, Oh, that kind of mirrors my personal story. And so like, he kind of like was able to write the story of Dorian kind of referencing his own, which I thought was like an incredible, you know, I know that life imitates art and that's the yeah. thing that we talk about, but still it's very cool to get to like have, especially since it wasn't necessarily the outset or the the intent when the character of Dorian was first pitched, that that David Gator was able to take Dorian and like mold him to be you know modeled after himself. And I think that's part of the reason that so many people sort of grab onto Dorian, not just because he's a gay character, but because a lot of the narrative that surrounds his story is one of the better developed ones, mm. or at least not better developed, but seems a lot more focused. Yes. And because they they went on to say that in the beginning, his whole backstory was that he had to leave his homeland because of his opposition to, I think, blood magic yes. was originally the thing. Which I gather from the Dragon Age series is kind of like, oh yeah, you know, mages and their blood magic. Everybody's always fighting about this. Is it good? Is it bad? You know, which it's side ma- do you It's a point on? of major contention yeah, in the it's, series. It's a, yeah, it's a common point of contention, which could have made Dorian a pretty boring sort of feeling character. You know, it could have just been like, oh, well, okay, not a fan of blood magic. Here we go again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, not a fan of Voldemort's policy of killing all the muggles, <laughs> eh? Okay, <laughs> that's, that's a radical stance to take. But no, instead they had got to sort of circle back to that, oh, well, could there be more to that story beyond is it just the blood magic or is there more to the character than meets the eye? And mm-hmm. I think that's where sort of the more interesting context comes into play because you can have characters that have very one-dimensional motives behind them. And I mean, especially back uh, what Dragon Age Inquisition came out in what? Like 2014. 2014, which isn't that long ago. Yeah. But there are still tons of games that come out today that have really just bog standard sort of stock feeling characters that Mm -hmm. don't really have that much going for them. So the fact that Gator was able to take the character of Dorian and give him more depth through his own lived experiences, I think is really the thing that is inspiring to me because, and you know, why do we play games, Jared? 
we play them. Well, in most cases, <laughs> <laughs> it's not always true. Sometimes you just play snake because you like to get ball and and, right? and and go around. Sometimes it's not that complicated. But in a lot of cases, what really draws people to games are the narratives, are the right. interesting right. stories that come with them. And especially about a game that like emotional Dragon gun punch. Age. Yeah, especially a game like Dragon Age, which is supposed to be a more immersive RPG. Mm-hmm. You are largely pay, playing it for the world, for the story, and for the characters. Relationships are a huge huge part of what this game is about. So I feel like it's just incredibly fertile ground for these kinds of stories to feel really natural and for them to be natural. Yeah. So it's really nice to see that Gator was able to get out there and make what is arguably one of the most iconic gay characters in video games still. Yeah. I mean, name a more famous <laughs> gay rock star mage <laughs> than Dorian. Can you? No, probably not off the top of my head. Probably mages not. and stuff like yeah. that. No, but no, not really. Yeah, probably not. Um, but so, so yeah, so we wanted to highlight David Gator as well, just because of like the incredible uh, impact of Dorian and, and everything like that. Uh, but the next... As a side note, I also didn't realize that David Gator wrote for things that weren't video games. He's like a normal published author. Oh, really? He has like novels. Oh. <laughs> I was like, oh, you're like a real writer. That's <laughs> <laughs> just a joke, game writer. There are people on strike literally right <laughs> now for rhetoric just like that. <laughs> oh boy, but like I just I, there's what I'm saying is in the research of all of the stuff that we've sure. been looking into, I really did learn a lot. It's like, oh my god, I had no idea about most of this. And the next one that, we're, that we really want to talk about totally blindsided me mm-hmm. because you know that it's one of my favorite games. Yeah. This is actually one of the games yeah. that I, after reading more about the dev, I was like, oh, I really need to at least try it out. Yeah. Oh, you never played? I never Cel- played. Oh, okay. Well, we are going to be talking about Celeste. Mm-hmm. So, indie darling yeah. Celeste. How many like awards and stuff did Celeste oh, win? You know what? Let's I'm gonna, get I'm on gonna, the I'm Wikipedia. We'll take here. a quick pause. Hang on. I'll do the little thing. How do you like them cuts? Man, that was yeah. quick. So, what do we like find right. out in that in that cut? <laughs> I can't... <laughs> I can't wait to watch this episode back only to see that you didn't cut out any of it. So it <laughs> looks especially there. ridiculous. So we I was in a hurry to get the episode out. <laughs> we confirmed a couple of important things. Namely, that I was about to say that Celeste came out in 2018, which mm-hmm. was correct. I didn't want to be wrong about something that blatantly has a clear-cut answer. <laughs> and that Celeste uh, was nominated for 30 awards Incredible. and won eight of them? Nine. Nine of them and won nine of those, including things like Games for Impact at the Game Awards, Best Indie Game at I think the Indie Games Festival or something like mm-hmm. that. It won one of the South by Southwest Gaming Awards. So Celeste is pretty much, it is hard to find someone that has played Celeste that is over here in their own little corner saying, I think it was bad. <laughs> and I did not enjoy it, frankly. I mean, the, only, the reason why I, I didn't jump on it, I believe I actually have it, uh, through on one of the systems or it's software. not expensive. Um, it's one of those indie priced games. Oh, for sure. And I just never, I never jumped on it because it looked like hollow Knight levels difficulty, mm. which scared me away. It's not, and you know, I know the game itself is like, is obviously beloved and, uh, and everything, but that's been the thing that's, that uh, kind of yes. scared me away from it. But after doing our research and everything for this episode and reading more about the devs and, and the process behind it, it's like, oh no, I really need to give this game a shot yeah. and try and try it out because it has way more depth to it than I realized yeah. that it did, honestly. And Because uh, yeah. I just thought it was, yeah. girl climbs mountain and it's hard. <laughs> it does seem <laughs> Collects that way flying almost, strawberries. Collect flying strawberry, climb mountain, profit. <laughs> that's, that, <laughs> that's 
that's that's the uh, the calculation. <laughs> yeah. uh, it definitely seems that way on the surface. So I can definitely understand somebody looking at Celeste and maybe not necessarily being interested in that, sure. especially from the difficulty perspective. I shouldn't necessarily say that people, you know, that there's no one out there that didn't enjoy Celeste because I'm sure there are people that came up against the difficulty wall and said, you know what? This is not for me. Mm -hmm. I was more making the point of most people that have played Celeste aren't saying that it's a bad game. They might just not have had a very good time with it for the mechanics, for the, the difficulty curve of it a little bit later on. But for the most part... It is almost a universally loved game. Yes. And when we, well, when I first played it back in, I think I played it either in 2018 or in 2019. I feel like it was pretty close to when it, it came out. It was really close to when it came out. Ooh, because was that during when we were doing our platformer series? I think that's why I played it. Might it might have been. Yeah, it might have been. I'll have to go check that out, yeah. too. Anyways, we'll check the timeline on it. The point is, Celeste came out in 2018, and I'm pretty sure that I played it around that time. Maybe not necessarily. I'm, I very rarely play games when they come out. Yeah. And I'm sure that you know Celeste was a tiny indie game. Mm-hmm. So when it came out, I don't think it was on most people's radars immediately, the same way you know a big AAA game is. So at some point in either 2018 or 2019, we tried to check the receipts on our YouTube channel, and neither of us could find it. Oh, no, I did. Actually, oh, okay. What was the I, year? I did just find it. Uh, we uh, three years ago is what it says. We did this episode on so episode one hundred and eighty-eight. Oh my god, we were babies, little babies. Oh my god, we were babies. Yeah, <laughs> like two studio setups ago. Oh man, yeah. Oh, we still had the table. Yeah, the wonderful little table. R.I.P. in peace table. <laughs> Anyways, the point being, I think I played uh, uh, Celeste either in twenty eighteen or twenty twenty, and I don't think I played it all in one go. I think at some point. I did have to take a break because it's a difficult game. Mm -hmm. But the point is, when the game came out and when I played it, there was not the kind of context that we understand around the game now. And that's for a very good reason. It's because the developer, the primary developer behind Celeste, Maddie Thorson, did not realize at the time of creating Celeste that she was trans. Mm -hmm. So it's really interesting to go back and read this article. It's actually from uh, Maddie Thorson herself. She wrote a whole article about um, Celeste as a character and whether or not Celeste is canonically trans. It comes from her website, MaddieMakesGames.com. Madeline is the the character. Madeline, yes. Madeline. (laughs) Uh, So she didn't realize these own feelings about herself at the time of making Celeste, but there's a really good quote that I feel like just is so, Wait, where'd it go? This one? Yes. Uh, When I wrote Celeste, so this is a quote from Maddie uh, herself. When I wrote Celeste, I sincerely believed that I was cisgender, but I was nevertheless waist deep in gender feelings. (laughs) I love that phrase. Waist deep in gender feelings, parentheses, among other anxieties. And this kind of ties back into the uh, more... I guess I would say mainstream interpretation of Celeste, which is that it deals with anxiety. Mm. Because as Madeline is climbing, I, I, I go back and forth all the time about whether I say Madeline or Madeline. So don't... I always say Madeline because of the older yeah. character. The, like, the, the French the one? The French school yeah. girl, Madeline. <laughs> I'll, I'll try to stick to Madeline for my own purposes. So uh, as Madeline is climbing the mountain, she comes across, obviously, a lot of trials and tribulations. And some of them are stressful. Some of them are really scary stuff. 
stuff. There's a whole scene where they're going up the mountain in like a rickety tram car yeah. and it's blowing and shaking in the wind and they're basically over nothing. I would shit my pants. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> but on top of that, Madeline as a character has a lot of anxiety. So there's this little mini game that you have to do to sort of help calm her down from a panic attack. So that's what a lot of people interpreted Celeste's deeper meaning to be at the time. Mm-hmm. But after, as, uh, as Maddie was going through the development process, even into making the game's DLC, you know, I think she mentions in the article, as they were approaching the end of the DLC, it was like, oh, okay, there might be some more to this whole thing than even I realized. Right. Because she goes on to say, I, I love this part. Uh, when Madeline looks, this it seems so obvious now in retrospect, if you've played the game, she says, when Madeline looks in the mirror and sees her other self, Battleline. It doesn't say that in the article, but, but that's, that's, that's the character's char- name. Yeah, that's the character's name, Battleline. Uh, sees, her, sees her other self when she attempts to abandon her reflection, who then drags her down the mountain. When the two reconcile and merge to become stronger and more complete, that was all unknowingly written from a trans perspective. That, that's the quote from Maddie Thorson. And reading that, it's like, oh, yeah, okay. That's what I, that that's what I mean. definitely checks out. The, reading, that, reading that paragraph is what made me kind yeah. of be like, oh, okay, I want to try this out and I want to see this. Because I knew that there was a part of like seeing the other version of yourself, like the darker version of Madeline and everything and seeing it. But and I just her name is Madeline, which is excellent. <laughs> that is excellent writing right there. But it is kind of the thing that it, it did like put a deeper, uh, you know, a deeper impact and a deeper message behind the game. But it also was just kind of a moment for me too, that it's very much like, you know, for, for a long time now we've been seeing like movies and books and things like that, that are, that are where people can like take their life experiences and like, and, and their stories and their, and share that in a, in a way, either non-fictional or not uh, with, with an audience and, you know, and there's connection and it resonates, but it's cool that we're starting to, I feel like we're getting to where we're starting to see that in games yeah, me too. and especially in, you know, maybe in some of these, uh, in s- smaller independent games like this, where you have a little bit more flexibility in your voice and everything like that. But it's just great because you know, it's like, it's the, the signs of what's coming kind of stuff. It's, it's so cool that like we're out of this place where Maddie Thorson felt that through her art of telling, of creating video games that she was able to realize her true self. And I think that's incredibly powerful. And yeah. again, speaking to the power of art in general, but it's cool now that we're seeing that move into a, into video games. A video game is able to be that space, and so it's cool seeing. You know, we we started talking about Tim Kaine and you know his long t- experience in the game the industry, the old guard of the game, the old guard, <laughs> and then starting to see the, see the new guard coming up with Maddie Thorson, and then also at Very the same true. time, Lena Rain, who did the who composed the music for this Celeste. was another that blindsided me i had no idea that celeste was just steeped in awesome gayness it's like <laughs> right? oh my god who 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 would have thought so lena rain who we featured uh before in at least one we've we've talked about celeste episode. soundtracks and a I, lot, know I know it was it was probably um oh what's the track I can't remember oh, it I right was now. Like just listening to Celeste earlier because it's so a it's baller soundtrack. Um, oh, which one is it? I probably featured Resurrections. Resurrections, yeah, the I nine knew it started minute, with an R. Ten minute long track. Yes, oh, so Resurrections good. is so good. But Lena Rain is the composer behind Celeste's soundtrack, mm-hmm. and that soundtrack 
fucking slaps. Oh, yeah. And through doing the research for this episode, I was like, wait, Lena Rain is also trans? Yeah. That's awesome. It is. <laughs> it's just the things that you, and, and this is kind of something that uh, Fuchsia and I were just chatting about on Discord the other day. We were talking about the topic mm-hmm. because we posted in the Discord and we were trying to get community feedback for it. Obviously, everybody else went to Google and went, huh, not a lot here. <laughs> we also got, <laughs> so we got we suggestions for David So we weren't able to Gator get a ton, and, a ton of yeah. uh, feedback, but she did mention something that I just thought was it really just echoed our own statement sure. of uh, she said to me in discord, this topic is making me realize just how much I don't know about developers know. behind my favorite games. And it's like, yeah, I mean, and that's same. exactly why we wanted to talk about it today because looking at this, w- look at how much we've learned. And it's, it's very, my point being, it's very easy to look at the current state of especially the 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 LGBTQIA plus environment in the United States, yes, which is taking some very unfortunate turns, especially for trans people. It's very easy to look at all of those really bad headlines and think that, especially in video games, which is historically a very toxic culture mm-hmm. and not a great place to be for anyone that's not cisgender and male. It's very easy to look at those environments and just sort of assume that that is the entire landscape, that yeah. that is everyone. And it's very clear from this amount of research that we've been able to do that that's not true, that there are lots of diverse voices behind the screens making the games. You may not know it, right? and obviously there are plenty of people that don't want to put themselves on blast because, like we said, the internet is a very toxic place. Yes, yes. And if you're the kind, you know, if you don't want people to literally be sending you death threats like Tim Kaine on Facebook or whatever, that is absolutely within your right to protect yourself and to put your safety first. But that also means that it is so much more important for people like us who have sort of a, a more of an ability to be like, that fucking sucks to be able to say that kind of stuff out loud What I'm trying to poorly get at (laughs) is that now more than ever, if you consider yourself to be an ally, one of the bare minimum ways that you can do that is to vocally voice your support for your trans friends, for your gay friends, because they really need to hear from you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it would, no matter what you sort of take away from this episode, maybe you learn nothing. Maybe you learned, (laughs) maybe you knew all about everyone. Maybe you knew about about everything we talked about. Yeah. And and it's not fun for you at all, but (laughs) if if that's the case, fine, (laughs) whatever. Yeah. Uh, But if you did come away with this going like, Oh man, yeah, I loved Celeste. I love fallout. I like the Sims. Another one of those early games that actually allowed, for gay marriage right. uh, me and my friend accidentally became a game couple and adopted a baby in the sims yeah, and we were told like, me that story. Huh, yeah i've told that story before so from those early games where it was sort of an accident to today's games where we're getting a lot more of that kind of inclusivity intentionally that doesn't mean that we have gotten to the finish line oh by no we, means yeah we are still very far away from uh you know having really good representation from all of the different diverse voices out there. We need more of that and to get more of that, it requires a certain amount of support and protection from anybody that considers themselves to be an ally. Because I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's scary to put yourself out there into, especially in a, in a industry that is as toxic as gaming can be. I mean, that's what it's kind of the nice, it is kind of the positive 
outlook at the end of Tim Kaine's video because I mean like some of the stuff like he talked about especially like being a gay man in the 80s and 90s early 80s and 90s when it's During just like the AIDS epidemic yeah he talked about that a lot and I was like oh my god that it, sounds terrifying that, you know the time the time when it was like people thought you would could get sick and die just from touching a gay person yeah. kind of stuff and it's just like you know he's he's made the point at the end of his video that like it really has gotten better and that's yeah. encouraging to him and it's encouraging you know to you know to go on to your point too if it really did just kind of into fuchsia's point made me be like wow i need to know more about this because yeah. it is it is so easy to get swept up in the pretty images and music and glitz and glamour of what's on our screens and we're playing the video games but it's it's the the episodes like the or not the episodes like this but the but learning about the people behind them is what adds. Like I really, I legitimately had no interest in Celeste until learning and about Maddie Thorson, and now I do, <laughs> and I want to go experience it. We, we're it's not going to awesome game. I know, so I've heard. I just need to experience that I'll for myself. Say it, and Tim Kane, you know, provide Celeste that support. Is better than Fallout Two. <laughs> <laughs> Fight Norms. Oh my god! But I'm sure someone out there just like their head exploded. <laughs> They're about to write us the meanest hate email uh, we've ever gotten. <laughs> I mean, that would be easy to do. We have yeah. not gotten well, we, we don't get any of them. <laughs> but, uh, oh, where was I going with that? Um, but just, um, but no, it like to what you said, just to echo what you said, it's important to, to talk about it because like in just doing this, I learned so much more. And, you know, while Tim, like to Tim Kane's point, if things are getting better, like you said, we're nowhere near the finish line and just having these voices and the, the the knowing the support and the people behind them are there for them to be able to more freely speak up, share their stories and experiences, you know, helps everything. So. Yeah. It's better for everybody. Yeah. The more diversity that we get in games at every level from writers, developers, directors, all of the above, the more interesting games are going to be. Yeah. You don't get a Dorian from nothing. Right. <laughs> Something has to happen behind the scenes to make that kind of impactful connection. So I, I am all, obviously we're, you know, we're not going to be over here being like, boo, gays and gaming, get rid of that. <laughs> no, obviously you and I yeah, are, no. are very vocally in support of that, but for good reason, because it makes the entire landscape richer. It yeah. makes all the narratives more interesting. You can get a much more unique experience when you are playing a game that is informed by someone that has a completely different life from you. Yeah. So it's, it's really important, and I feel like they are able to discuss their stories in a public way. I think we're going to realize more and more that it is much more prevalent than mm -hmm. people than people even think now it is. Oh, absolutely, 100%. Um, while that feels like a good place to kind of wrap it we together, I knew more. you did and one more that uh, we wanted yeah. to, to we wanted to talk about before we did wrap up this and, episode. And this one actually came from Bro Mogan, so Bro Mogan clued me into this because this is another one that I absolutely never <laughs> would have seen coming. But it's less because of the of of the creator of the game and more because of the game itself. I love the aesthetic of Bloodborne. Yeah. We have talked about it many times. Do I like Bloodborne as in it is a game that I play? Oh, <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> and it, there's so much always trying to hurt you it all the time. You can't have any husbandos or waifus. <laughs> they're all monstrous they're beings. They're all monstrous. And even <laughs> if you do happen to make a connection with someone, it's very likely they're going to die a terrible fate. It's very true. Bloodborne is not the kind of game that fosters the fluffy romance that I'm looking <laughs> for in my gaming experience. But the, the creator of the very well-received 
Bloodborne D-Make. So the PlayStation 1 fan-created Bloodborne D-Make was made by Lilith Walther, who herself is a trans woman, she, her pronouns. And I just never would have seen that coming at all. So writing in a an interview with Gay... <laughs> so for starters, this website, what a great website. No, this has added more to my... Uh, in doing this too. This, I feel bad that we didn't know about this website. This is, one, this is one of the ones that I think I will actually come back to reference in the future because Same. I did poke a lot around their website more recently uh, just because I was like, how have I never heard about this place before? It's gaming. Gamingmagazine.com or gamingmag.com is the abbreviated URL. Gaming mag.com did an interview with Lilith Walther back in 2022 so not that long ago uh, about her game about the PlayStation 1 Bloodborne demake mm-hmm. and again it's not technically for PlayStation 1 it's just meant to just look looks like, like it. it's yeah. for PlayStation 1 uh, and the topic of the, <laughs> the 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 title of the article is Bloodborne PSX creator explains why the original is air quotes so transgender <laughs> which I just love because it makes me think of that so Raven oh. and Disney <laughs> anyway, so talking to Lilith Walther about uh, the game that she makes, it was it was a really interesting experience because it goes into a few points that we don't often talk about on the show because they just don't naturally come up. Mm-hmm. But it goes on to st- talk about sort of how is it that you know a transgender person might approach a game like Bloodborne, which is steeped in what, for lack of a better term, would be called eldritch horror or yeah. cosmic horror knowing that so many of the sort of creators of the eldritch horror genre, like H.P. Lovecraft, for example, among others, had some very notable and well-documented, very bigoted views. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you're a trans person, you're approaching a game like Bloodborne or any other property that is steep in that sort of eldritch horror, there's always sort of this game of like, how much you know basically how much stock do you want to put in right that? right how much credit are you going to give to these old dead guys most of them are dead by now uh that would have hated your guts nowadays but they're already dead so yeah. who cares it's Welcome. that weird spot of like well, what's the what's the argument like support the art not the artist right. that kind of thing it gets into that weird gray area but uh, I thought it was really interesting. Lilith Walker was talking about like, wait, here we go. Uh, no, that's not it. Where's the quote that I'm looking for? Yes. Okay, here we go. So Walther, this is directly from the article. Uh, Walther went on to explain how they first played Bloodborne back in 2017. She wasn't out as trans at the time, much like Maddie Thorson, allowing it to stick with her as at, allowing it to stick with her as the game she played while air quotes going through it. These are some of that. What, what was Maddie Thorson's quote? Something about deep feelings, waist gender deep, feelings, waist, waist deep, deep gender and gender feelings. feelings. So I gather that poor uh, poor Lilith Walther was also waist deep in the gender feelings <laughs> at the time. So uh, so basically, she was going through it at the time that she was playing Bloodborne the original, which is a little. Surprising, given the history of gothic horror, uh, of the gothic horror stories that inspired Bloodborne. Mm-hmm. So it is kind of difficult to be like, okay, well, how do you want to approach this? Do you want to sort of try to address it head on or just be like, no, I think that the game can be, or, or to Lilith Walker's point, uh, she goes on to say that uh, Bloodborne is a story 
that goes in the exact opposite direction of a lot of the, which I'm paraphrasing here. She's saying that Bloodborne is a story that goes in the exact opposite direction of a lot of the toxicity that was part of that foundational old guard of the Eldritch Horror uh, genre. Mm-hmm. Uh, when asked about the genre's complex history, it kind of talks shit about the people in power, talking about Bloodborne the game. So Bloodborne as a game really uh, sort of casts the the nobility, the good people, you know, the the higher-ups of society yeah. as very much the bad guys. Like, they are the reason that everything is the way it is right now in Yarnum, and the, those, uh, the enemies really are, not the enemies, the nobility mm-hmm. are the ones who basically trapped everybody else down in old Yarnum. And she says that... It's a direct response to a lot of the problems with gothic horror as a genre. It's incredible, and it's probably why it's so transgender. Mm. So basically, her interpretation of Bloodborne was, sure, the genre that it lives in pulls from a lot of unfortunately bigoted feelings from way back in the day. Right. And honestly, a little bit more in, currently, you know, yeah, currently yeah. in the day. That It's hard to get rid of that kind of stuff. But saying that the way that Bloodborne positions the people in power versus the people that don't have power, it's very much saying like, no, the the people that have been marginalized are the ones that are basically good. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm phrasing this really poorly. <laughs> yeah, this part's hard. But you, you can go read the article for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel well, like know, this has become a train wreck here. Jumps, reading. But- you know I'm bad at reading. You kind of get what I'm saying. I apologize if it's I've like done it's it turning just it on its, so badly. It's, it's like it's turning it on, yes. on its head in like usurping standard norms of the yeah. genre. Why and didn't you talk about this part, Jared? <laughs> <And how laughs> You're that's, saying it's so much it's a, better than me. And how it's a parallel. Yes. yes. That was such a much more concise <laughs> way to say it. Gosh, okay. Anyways, I feel like that's probably enough. <laughs> But no, uh, wait, yes. One final, one final throwaway. Sure. Uh, so Lilith Walker did uh, say a little bit about, you know, sort of some of the hate that she got from the internet at the time, because obviously much like Tim Kaine, when people find out that you're not a cisgender male person on the internet making video games, there's going to be some hate coming your sure. way, kind of no matter what you do. Uh, but she said that... Um, she goes on to admit getting some vindication from the angry comments that she would get on YouTube and things, for example, saying they're pissed off because it's successful. Oh, yeah. Because I'm succeeding despite all of their best efforts. They're doing it because they know that they're failing and that keeps you going. And then she added, it's spite. I basically just described spite. <laughs> and I feel like in addition to all of the good feelings of like, yeah, we all need to band together and be supportive to get through the tough times. Sometimes the opposite is true. Sometimes you just need cold hearted spite <laughs> to be like, fuck the haters. I'm going to make the game that okay. I want. And if they don't like it, screw them. Okay. That actually, uh, I saw this and I was like, I don't know, but like, I, I do want to talk about this because in that same spate, I was just spite. I saw spite, in a, good old spite. I'm not going to be able to find this again. Is it on Fox Damn it. News? It is because oh, it's God. a very clutchy pearls article from oh, Fox God. News oh, God. about how uh, a dev made a game that looks like OG Doom, like same level, like uh, like same like that like, corridor, like really a uh, narrow the, design. Yeah. Uh, but just, like it literally looks like it, same like arts, like sprites and like kind of stuff too. Uh, but instead of fighting demons of hell, you're fighting and killing turfs. And even, Incredible. And even like <laughs> priests and stuff and like fascists. It's it's kind of like you're you're like imprisoned. You know, LGBTQIA plus individuals are like imprisoned and kept oh, hidden. God. And you're like in this futuristic dystopian society, and you like break out, and then you just like go 
go through a doom Wolfenstein-esque spree. Incredible. <laughs> and the whole That's article was awesome. Fox, it was from Fox News. And of course, so they were just like, dear God. And like, you know, trying to be like all horrified about it. And I was like, this is fucking awesome. What are you That's kidding? That's awesome. We got to figure out what that game is because I want to play I'm, I'm it. Gonna, I'm going to see if I can do a little thing. Do, also, but you kill turfs. Um, I'm never going to be, I don't know how I'm going to find this, but I'll have to go back and search, oh, yeah, search history is good, I guess. But um, oh, I I'll find it. I never use that. I'll find it and try to post the, the, the link to it in the Discord and stuff like that. That's also, awesome. I know we have referenced a lot of articles and stuff like that in this episode. I'll have all the links in the description below, uh, but we'll also probably compile them and post them over on our Discord also yeah. just for uh, quick and easy access and reading to anyone who would also like to find out more and learn more about uh, these LGBTQIA devs like we did. Because it was honestly, it was it, this like preparing for this was a great in many ways. It was, you know, fun to learn more, but really that was it. Just to like learn more about these devs and then also to open my eyes to like, oh yeah, like we need to do better about being able to have a safe place for people to be able to share their stories and experiences more. Because like, as we said, it just makes everything better in the long run. Not even just share their stories, but just to be able to make games that they want to make that they want to make without fear of death threats. Yes. That is the bare minimum bar. And I feel like, I feel like we as a people can get there. If we really try (laughs) just a little bit more effort, people, we can all get there. Again, to your point earlier, it's like what you said, like we need to be allies. We need to be voices and standing up and support because the more people do that the more empowered they will feel the more safe they will feel and the more greater and accepting community and world we can make for everyone yeah. so with that everyone you then know we'd get more video games out of it that's true that's a and win-win that's situation win, 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 what's that what's that uh the, the the tiktok thing i see a lot that it's like it's it's biden and he's like it hurts it, it helps the economy it helps everyone and hurts no one. It's like something it helps like everyone and hurts no one. Exactly. Kind of I've, I've, I've never heard of that before. Oh, it's like, I, but can't, I'm also not I, I know, I, I know I butchered the, his, his, what he was saying, but it was something like that. And it's used nice. a lot. And so that's kind of what I was thinking. It helps anyway. everyone and hurts no one is a great tagline. Exactly. For this specific topic. Absolutely. So with that, everyone, uh, we've really enjoyed getting to do this special episode uh, this month. And like we said, uh, we'll try to do more of these dev spotlights further on because this has been a really great learning experience all around uh so share with us some more of your thoughts on this episode or some of your other favorite lgbtqia developers that we didn't have a chance to touch on today uh but let us know by sending us an email teamchatpodcast at gmail.com commenting below wherever you're listening to or watching the show join our discord and talk about it with us there we'd love to hear from you but until next time everybody i am one of your hosts jared wilson joined to my right by rachel Moody. adios we'll see you all next time